Hello, and welcome to the recap by Dive Collective. Over the next few minutes, we're going to hit the highlights of the last week's reading from our reading plan. Annika and I are excited to invite you along as we read through the Bible together. You can find our reading plan at divecollective.org. It's a free download when you sign up for our newsletter. We know that some of you love the accountability of a checklist, while others thrive from the freedom to join in whenever your schedule allows. The recap is intended to meet all of those needs. So whatever category you fit into, just know we're excited to have you here with us today. We're going to do... Yay, uh, Crystal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Crystal Voorhees is the winner of our Bible Reading Plan Challenge. She's keeping up with us. Crystal, you need to... Get Ooh, here and join us guest. on, yes, yep. on the recap. Actually, are you going to be around next week, Annika? I was like, man, I should just have somebody else come and be a guest with me I, next week if you're busy. I am still on. I'm still traveling next week. I'll be in Missouri next week. So, um, would you want that, or would you rather be on? I don't know. That's such a. It would be really fun to have a week off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely would still do the reading. I'd actually listen to that episode. <laughs> So yeah, I wouldn't be mad about that one. I'd actually listen to that episode. That's fun. Okay. Well, perhaps I will. talk about that? Yeah. I'll talk to some of the people that have been keeping up with us and see if they want to join us. That'd be great. Melissa is reading along with us again now because she's in that. Oh, for church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. I really love having her on. So man, if Melissa comes on, then I'm not want to miss that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll Um, just listen. (laughs) Okay. This is good. There's lots of stuff that I'm not excited about, but there's a few things that I'm like, this was really cool week. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, we've been traveling since Saturday. Life is, you know, like it's summer. So I definitely read this in huge chunks this week. So. Yeah, that's how that goes. Okay, we are in Joshua, Joshua. 12. Is that no 12 through 23? Oh, really? Yep. Wow, that's a yeah. lot of chapters. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was Joshua <laughs> this week was a ton of oh boy, what? Oh no, there's just some funny, there's just some funny moments in here that I really enjoyed. I'll let you go ahead and start. How about you? What, I'm gonna go ahead and start. Well, yeah, I was sure. just gonna do a quick overview. I felt like there was a lot of Joshua that was like lists and names and where they settled. And so there was a lot, it seemed like a lot of reading in Joshua, but a lot of it was like, there's not a whole, I mean, I always enjoy, (laughs) I always enjoy like looking for names that I recognize in those kind of lists. But I think there was a couple of things that minor things that I thought were interesting this week, but there was a lot of that. Um, the only thing that I think was notable in that list this week for me, I only saw because we're studying Jacob in mm-hmm. Genesis. And there's a, I think one of the refuge cities that you could go to if you accidentally killed somebody mm-hmm. is named Shechem. And Shechem is uh, a huge character in this week's story in Genesis. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So yet, if so. you're uh, following along, if you're part of the dive collective group and you're looking when we post the dive Genesis story, there's this obscure passage in Genesis that you've probably never looked at any very closely before. Hey, but attention to. Yeah. It's Dinah is one of Jacob is only, I think Jacob's only daughter and uh, she gets raped in it, this community. And 
the brothers go to war over her. Basically it looks just like a giant mess. (laughs) And it was really funny because when I first studied it, I was like, well, I I found this, but it was like not very significant. There wasn't very, I didn't get a lot out of it except that just humanity is a mess and we make Mm. giant messes. But then when I brought it to the group and I had done this kind of cross-reference chase and ended up kind of discovering some things that I thought were neat, but it wasn't until I came to the group and somebody said something that I never would have seen because it was a cultural thing that she had experienced in her culture where she's from. And then it suddenly things started to kind of click and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. At any rate, because Shechem looked so evil and horrendous to me in that chapter, because then, he's the leader of what's ha- like, he's the re- rapist avenging his sister. Oh, he's no. the rapist. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Thank is, you. Shechem is the rapist. Okay. And yet in the story, my perception of him turned around quite a bit through studying it. And so um, anyway, to see Shechem end up, they end up conquering those people, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. they do when they come into the land of Canaan is they conquer all these people that Jacob and all of them have been kind of trying to settle in. And among the fact that he ends up being a refuge city is almost to me brings a redemption. I'm not hundred yeah, percent sure. But, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Cool. yeah. That is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, hello there. We're so glad you're following along with us on the recap. We wanted to invite you to study Jacob with us this summer. We have been going through the book of Genesis this year and our next eight week study is on the life of Jacob. We'll be meeting all of June and July on Tuesdays live, or you can join the network and get all of our previous studies for free via podcast. No matter what, we're just glad that you're joining us in the word of God. Now let's get back to the recap. Joshua. One of the things that I loved in Joshua 14 is that the, just the idea that um, Joshua is fulfilling what Moses had started and Mm -hmm. just the importance it it struck me the importance of making sure that we continue on what's been handed down to us. And that when there has been something that's been handed off to us that has been unfinished, that it's our job to either finish it or to continue handing it down until it's finished. Do you know what I mean? Like there's just mm. like the idea that Joshua's faithfulness to what was told to Moses. We see that a couple times here. And at the very beginning, just Joshua starting and telling them to go conquer your land and take your places mm-hmm. uh, because this is what Moses told us to do. We see that there. And then I, again, like when I read that again in, with Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh, when Joshua's like, you've done it, everybody's yeah. at rest. Now you can go home, go take your, go, go back to your land and be, yes. be settled. Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Just as Moses, just as you told Moses, you've commanded every, you've done everything you were supposed to do. Now you get to go back. And I think still that the part that really just brings my heart so much joy is that they were in it until their brothers were settled. They, they were in mm-hmm. it to the end and they didn't, they didn't finish until Joshua said, they've, you've done it. Like you've completed Mm -hmm. the task that was before you and how satisfying that must've been for them, but how faithful it was of them to continue on for their brother's best interest. Right. So that still just really convicts my heart. Um, But jumping back to 14 and 15 in 15, 
again, following along with that, like, this is what was told to me. And so I want to be like, let's be, let me fulfill it. Let me have what Moses said was going to happen. I love Caleb coming to Joshua and being like, yes, Caleb had gone to the promised land with Joshua. They had seen it and they were like, we can do this. They came back and they were the only two that said we can do this. And now Joshua is actually doing it. Like he's kind of leading them all and he's doing it. Now Caleb comes to the part where it's like the biggest and baddest of all the Kings when they had gone and scoped it out before. And -hmm. that's the area where Caleb has said, this was promised to me. And he's like, I'm 85 years old and I haven't lost a step. Look at me. I'm strong and I'm capable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have my same young running feet. Let me, Mm -hmm. let me go lead these people into it. Let me take the land. And Joshua was like, go. And that like, Oh, it was just such a beautiful picture that God had him keep his youth just so that it was like, it was just so that he could have what he, what he'd been promised, not just what he was promised, but like he would, he was faithful to say, we can do it. And God kept Mm -hmm. him young so that he could still do it when the time came 40 years later, Mm -hmm. when he should have been way past time to be Mm -hmm. able to do it. Like the miracle that God did there to keep Caleb at 85 years old, young That's enough cool. to conquer a land. That's yeah. I didn't read it. That's, I didn't, I didn't see the miracle in that, but that's pretty, that's a pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. To me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is our God that when he promises us something mm-hmm. and when we ha- are faithful, nobody's lack of faithfulness can take away from our faithfulness. Like mm. because those 12 spies, those 10 spies weren't faithful it didn't take away from Caleb's faithfulness and ability to go and have what he, and what was between him and the Lord as faithfulness Mm -hmm. and goodness. And yet he still had to wait 40 years to do it, but God kept it like, just, I I was blown away by that. That was so cool. Oh, and then I love Joshua's eye roll or is it Caleb's? Yeah. (laughs) Joshua. I like read an entire eye roll into a passage (laughs) in 17. It says the descendants of Joseph said the hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who inhabit the Valley area have iron chariots, both at Beth Sheba or Beth Sheen with its surrounding villages and the Jezreel Valley. Cause so all of these people are supposed to go and take their land. Joshua's like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Go take your land. It's time for you to go, go take your land. And Joseph is like, but they're big and strong. So Joshua, <laughs> so Joshua replied to jo- Now remember Joshua was one of the spies who actually saw that they were big and strong. and was like, we can right. take this land. Joshua replied to Joseph's family, that is Ephraim and Manasseh, you have many people and great strength. You will not have just one allotment because the hill country will be yours also. It is a forest. Clear it and its outlying areas will be yours. You can also drive out the Canaanites, even though they have iron chariots and are strong. (laughs) That is so funny. And the entire Israelite community assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. But I just pictured Joshua, the spy who believed and them coming mm-hmm. to him and him being like, I promise you can do this, even it's though they gonna look be big. okay, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We've been through this. <laughs> this is the whole point. <laughs> that is funny. I love how you read, you pull so much story out of it all the time. I just overlook that often. That's funny. I was totally, this is more, this is back in 14. I thought it was interesting. So this is at the very beginning. Okay. So this is, 
in three and four, he he's oh he had given them their inheritance east of the Jordan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Levites don't get an, an inheritance because God is their inheritance yeah. because the sons of Joseph had become two tribes. So he's going through like, it's almost like a quick overview before they go into each individual t- tribe. But in verse five, it says the people of Israel followed through exactly as God had commanded Moses and they apportioned the land. And I was just thinking the Israelites, they're now actually finally getting a hold of this land that God had promised them after 40 years. And of course, they follow his instructions to the letter uh-huh. when it comes to getting their land. Yeah. And I just was thinking like how telling that is of just who we are so often mm. is that when there's something so tangible to get out of it, like an immediate gratification thing, like, sure, we'll do exactly what you tell us to do. Yeah. Give me the prize. Yes. I was thinking about that and that like this like short picture that we get of them behaving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for behaving. And I was thinking about that in terms of um, when Moses, because at the end of Deuteronomy, he says to them um, before you, or God says before you, I have set, or maybe it's Moses. It says before you got to set the choice of life and death, choose life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, that was ringing in my ears while we were reading Jeremiah, because there's a line where he says, you have chosen death, which is exactly what Moses was saying. Like, if you follow these things and all of Jeremiah is like, you haven't done any of the Mm -hmm. things. I gave you the option if you had stick with my covenant, even now, if you chose to stick with my covenant, right, right, you would have life, but you're refusing to go, you're Mm -hmm. refusing life. Anyway, that's that whole thing. But yes, for this short portion, like you said, it's like they've got, um, they have what it takes to stick with them at least and have rest at least for a little bit before, before they choose death. But yeah. There's a lot more. Yeah, we went all the way to 23. Oh, man. Okay. So here's more big picture stuff that you wouldn't see if you weren't studying Genesis. Genesis. But, okay, so there's this. So Simeon and Levi are the two brothers that go and avenge their sister's rape. And because they go and do this really violent act, Jacob, at the end of Genesis, he ends up cursing them, basically speaking against their anger and their rage, that's basically untamed mm. they use their, their swords for rage. And he's referring back to this incident with Dinah. And he says, because of this, you will be scattered throughout your brother's lands and, and I'll never sit in, in your council basically. Okay. So this is Israel is saying that to, to them. And I was thinking, man, I see how that fits with the Levites because they do end up being, they end up being scattered throughout the land, right? which is a blessing. Here's what, so if you keep chasing that cross-reference, this is what's so cool. It's totally separate. And this is going to go in the Genesis podcast, but that curse that Jacob put on them when Moses comes down off the mountain, then years later, but now they're in the Exodus. Moses comes down off the mountain and they've built this golden calf and Moses is enraged. And he says, we are going to deal with this. Who's with me. And the Levites all go to Moses and they're like, we're with you. And then they have to go and they have to kill all of like, they have to kill brothers Mm -hmm. and and fathers and sons. And then God blesses them and says, you will be mine because you have done this thing for me. Like, so they use that same rage and, um, their, and their swords of anger on God's behalf for, for his good pleasure, which is terrible, but 
amazing. And then God blesses them and says, now I will use you because of this, you are set apart and you'll be mine. And now they are in the, like now they're right. in the council of Israel. They're the council of God to Israel, which is like, a, like a restoration, amazing thing. Right. But then, so like, I've been, so that was cool because that was like, oh, that's neat. Like that's God's restoration. Yeah. Which goes to a whole nother train of thought for the Genesis thing. But for this particular thing, what's cool about it is I was really stuck on like the Simeon thing. I was like, well, where does that fit with Simeon? And I, and to me, it made a little more sense because you see that Simeon's portion is actually in the middle of Judah's. Like they don't actually get their own portion, a portion scattered in the midst of their brothers, which I thought was interesting. I'm sure there's more to Simeon. So interesting. I'm so glad you pointed that out. That is. Yep. Yeah. Being able to trace those things. Like in seeing how, especially the Levi thing is super cool to see how like that curse is still there, like this in the sense that they are scattered throughout their brethren and yet it's, it's right. The curse is fulfilled and yet it's got a a whole new twist on it. Exactly. Because God is using them. Like then later on, God said, you're not going to have an inheritance because now you're my chosen ones. Like you're going, so yeah. Yeah. And he uses the very thing. Like that's mm-hmm. how he does it with us. Like Their he weakness. Uses the, he uses the thing that was our curse and he turns it around mm-hmm. and uses that very thing as our blessing when it's used yeah. under his. Yeah. So cool. All right. I think that's all I have from judges. Yes. I don't think I have Joshua. Any. Sorry. Oh, and then uh, just real quick, that, that story of the Gadites and the Reubenites, I think it was the Reubenites that actually set up the temple or set up the, the giant altar. Yeah, that that reflected the one of Israel and the brothers being enraged is just such mm-hmm. a good story of like go to your brother, get the yeah, story, go find out, yeah, yeah, like but they go across and they're like, what are you doing? After all that he's done, you're gonna go and you're gonna build an altar and serve the other gods like you've left us already. And the Reuben is like, no, 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 yeah, no, so, and, no, yeah, not at all, yeah, exactly. And I absolutely especially because there's been a couple of things that just this week where just complete misinterpretations of of me really. And that just the dichotomy between the one person who was like, Hey, you said this and it really hurt versus the other person that didn't come to me at all. But yeah, it makes a big difference to say the thing. Cause then I can say the, no, you totally, that was not, you totally understood. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I thought of it in the sense of just being able to assume the best, give people the benefit of the doubt a little bit, because yeah. I'm the one that's always like, well, that was probably not the best choice. <laughs> I'm not necessarily going to, well, yeah, I just thought of it in a different light, but I think both of those things are really good application wise, just in everyday relational life Yeah. to, um, yeah, find out what's going on. Or give them the benefit of the doubt. Or give them the benefit of the doubt. Although in this case, I kind of love that they didn't because they, I mean, it looked bad. It looked really bad. So I like yeah. that they had the guts I, and the, like that they cared enough about the worship of God to go. Right. And then you get the depth of like, they're like, the whole reason is because we're over here. Yeah. <laughs> like we want, we want everyone to know that. We're with we you. We want our children to know, yeah, that we're with you and we worship the same God and yeah, and that the whole purpose of it was like for when generations go by and they don't know anymore, like we want them to look at this and know. Yeah. So yeah, that depth of their intention, you wouldn't have, no one would have known if they hadn't gone to ask. Yeah. 
And I think this is a good last line to note on because it says it a couple of times and it's really, um, it's the crux of the entire word of God at the end of verse 21, it says, none of the goal, none of the good promises the Lord Mm -hmm. had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. And then again, in verse, uh, chapter 23, verse 14 everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. I just love those lines. It is so good. Um, Let's do Psalms super quick. I have nothing from Psalms except that I love that it ends with three songs of praise. Yes. I loved the way it ended too. Let me get there. Psalm 145. I, I noticed the same thing that it just ends with. Yeah. Just worship. Mm -hmm. I loved 145. Also, I felt like it, it looks like I'm reading Proverbs. You know how Proverbs is all these like individual short like snippets and that's how it looked. And it was all these just like short two lines about God and who he is. He's done like all these. Yeah. I loved Psalm 145. Yeah. God always does what he says and is gracious in everything he does. Yes. Verses eight and nine of Psalm 145. God is all mercy and grace not quick to anger is rich in love. God is good to one and all. Everything he's done, everything he does is suffused with grace. I loved that. So good. I actually, that's really funny of all of the verses that those are the two verses that stood out to me. And the reason is I think because it's so, I just love it when the Bible quotes other parts of the Bible, like we're, Mm -hmm. we're really far into, well, who wrote this? Yeah. David, David. Yep. We're really far into the story and God is, and, and David is quoting God who says the Lord is gracious and compassionate, Mm -hmm. slow to anger and abounding in faithful Mm -hmm. love. And then it says, the Lord is good to everyone, to everyone. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made his compassion. I love that. Mm, I love that too. Yeah, you're right. It's like, that's, it's just beautiful. But when you think of David quoting scripture, and you remember that's like, it's just a good example to us. And that's what we do. And when we do that, that just brings him so much. Mm-hmm. Psalm 149. Um, this is a, one of those ones at the end where it's just song, a psalm of praise. And I loved the line. It's like the beginning is like giving instruction, almost like telling the people to worship God. Mm-hmm. And it says in verse Oh, I don't know. Maybe verse four. And why? Because God delights in his people. Mm-hmm. How and why? How and why does he delight in us? I have the, I have mixed feelings about moving on from Psalms. I kind of want to go back and start at the beginning again. I actually, yeah, I was thinking that I might really enjoy going back and reading Psalms more the way that I have kind of been mm-hmm. longing to like still kind of include it in my meditations, but mm-hmm. not as part of the Bible reading plan. Right. In smaller chunks, smaller yeah. sections. Yeah. But Actually, then last... we get to move. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking last night we were, I was going to bed and I was, I was just like, my mind was racing and I suddenly had like this picture or this vision of the way that the chosen um, depicts them going to bed and saying prayers and like waking up and saying prayers before they start anything. And I was like, I said, I just thought like, man, that might really help me to kind of like settle in to like mm-hmm. reflect on him. And so I was reading Psalm. I read Psalm 139 as I went to bed. That was yeah. so good. Are you in Jeremiah? 
No, I was skipping to Acts because we went oh. there after Psalms, but let's go back to Jeremiah. Let's, yeah, let's do, let's do them in order. Where do we start? Jeremiah 6. Okay. I really have like the big thing. I don't have a lot from Jeremiah. The only thing that I, I really had to share was what I shared back in Joshua, the idea that, and it was actually in chapter eight where he says, death will be chosen over life by all the survivors mm-hmm. of this evil family. He's just saying like, in the end, I said, choose life or death and you've chosen death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In um, six, I love this picture. It reminded me of a Andrew Peterson song, but it says um, in verse 16, go stand at the crossroads and look around, ask for directions to the old road, the tried and true road, and then take it. And I was just thinking about that whole idea of Israel I mean, their habit of, but their instruction from God to pass everything down from generation to generation, like they repeat these things, like in their traditions and just how valuable that is because that, like that old road is the way you should go. That's yes. Take the old road. Yes. That's so good. We always want to try something new, Mm -hmm. but the old the old world is faithful and true. That's good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't think I have anything else specific in Jeremiah. Uh, other than, I mean, the over and over and over again, Jeremiah's, like you said, you got like, he's laying out for them that you had the choice to choose life or death and you chose death. And this is what's happening. Like he is very clear in the way he's explaining to them that this is on you guys. Like God, this is God discipline you disciplining you because of the, what you chose to do. Like mm-hmm. this is all wrapped up in your rejection and your turning away from God. It shouldn't be a surprise. Like this was laid out for you way back at the beginning. The other thing too, is that like, I just feel like you get so much of a, um, of the agony of God in it. Yeah. And I, yes. see, that, I see that in verse 12, verse seven is where I wrote, like, it makes me cry. Like he says, I've abandoned my house. I've deserted my inheritance. I have handed the love of my life over to her enemies. Yeah. Let's just break your heart. Yes. And then, so I like, that's better. That's the, cause mine is in the future tense. Mm. So that past makes more sense. But the next line after that is what is what stuck out to me it says she's been this one. I held dear, like a snarling lion in the jungle, mm. growling and baring her teeth at me. And I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Just like that whole, like you said, the agony of God, like he's like, I'm trying here. Like I am trying to hold you, which totally made me think of having toddlers, like a toddler throwing a fit. You know what I mean? Yes. And you're trying to comfort them or figure out what's wrong or like fix the situation. And there's nothing. They're just, they're just refusing to be comforted, you know? Yes. And just how hard that is as a parent to, to be like, I'm trying to fix this for you. I want you back. And yeah, you chose death. Yeah. I have to do this in order to get you back again. Yep. It's like that death. The, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies. It remains yeah. seed. And that'll be the beginning of bringing the Messiah. All right. Acts is one of my favorite books and all of, I love that. I love mm. Acts. With all I'm of excited my to read Acts. I have a lot of things, but there's two main things. One of them is another story, like another narrative that I kind of read into it from other studies that I 
like got just so excited about when I saw it. And I think I've only saw it because I've studied Matthew now twice, like studied, studied Matthew twice Mm -hmm. and Mark once. And it's actually in both of those gospels. It struck me each time, even though I didn't have a ton of like insight into it. I just was Mm -hmm. like, that's, that's fascinating. Uh, I'll start here. So go to Matthew 22, 44. It's also in Mark, but it doesn't say what it says in Matthew, which I love. So in Matthew, it's toward the end of Jesus's ministry because these Pharisees have come up to him multiple times and they have tried to argue with him about the law and what's okay and what's not okay. And Jesus is kind of done with it. He's like, um, they've argued, like I said, about a ton of things. And then finally, after they've, and they've tried to trick him and they've tried to trap him and mm-hmm. Jesus is like, I have no more, no more tricks and traps. And he ends yeah. it by saying, he asked them, how is it then that David inspired by the spirit calls him Lord? The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put it a f- your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how then can he be his son? No one was able to answer him at all. And from that day, no one dared to question him anymore. Like he, d- Jesus doesn't talk about that verse. He doesn't explain that verse. He, mm-hmm. doesn't, he just uses it as like a, you have no insight into the scriptures. You're literally mm-hmm. just teaching the black and white with no insight into what it means and how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. So then we come to Acts chapter two. The spirit is now poured out. And Peter gives his big, his first sermon. Mm -hmm. And in his very first sermon, Peter, the dense guy who wasn't getting any of it, says, God has raised us, Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven. But he himself says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the house of Israel know that with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Mm -hmm. This is what David meant by this. This is what no Pharisee could possibly explain Mm -hmm. because they haven't had the insight of the Holy Spirit. But here Mm -hmm. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly it all makes sense. And I'm going to lay it out for you. It's just like, yeah. Oh, I was like, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yep. The power of the Holy spirit to give insight to the scriptures. And just recently I was teaching a class on inductive Bible study and I was talking about something in the old Testament. And I was explaining how there was something that they were doing that was just so completely contradictory to God's heart. And, there, and one of the students was like, how did they not get it? How did they not like, how did they not see what they were doing or, you know, and it was like, well, cause it was impossible to see without the Holy, like the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. The only reason that we can see it is because the Holy spirit is mm-hmm. in us to enlighten it and give it context and put it in its proper, well, enlightened place. So anyway, just see that that was just, I was like, Oh, Peter, that's awesome. Yeah. Jesus uses it to stump them. It's like the very last thing that he gives the Pharisees and they're like, I have no answer. And they walk away. And that's the last time that Jesus interacts with them. And we don't get an explanation. Peter didn't get an explanation. Nobody got an explanation for that particular thing. Yeah. It's just that fact that like, there was no explanation given and Jesus, and Jesus kind of leaves us hanging. It's like a cliffhanger. Like, well, what, what does it mean? Like, even as I read it in Matthew and Mark, it was kind of one of those, like, well, what's, what is the explanation? And I, I mean, I knew what the explanation was, but how are you not 
why would you not explain that? Right. And it was like, he's not explaining it because Peter is going to put it together. And we're going to see what the Holy spirit, how the Holy spirit, how he can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I just kind of picture like Jesus lobbing it over the plate. And now like Peter's like taking the bat and he's like, there it is. Home run. Home run. And then at the end of chapter two, for whatever reason, this just stood out to me. Um, chapter or verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, man, those are the four things that we're called to. And we don't do all of them. No, but if we did all of those things, I have a feeling it would really change everything. Mm-hmm. Church. Well, read the next, the very end of chapter three, verse 40, 46 and 47. They followed the daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as as God added those who were saved. Right. So, like those things up there that they commit themselves to, teaching life together, the meal and prayer, that is what draws people in. Like that, yes. that living life and that joy. Obviously, they were doing those things, but it was a spirit in which they were doing them too, and that's what people liked what they saw and wanted to know. That's so interesting. I, I mean, you're right. And I think about, it says every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple mm-hmm. and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. It makes me think like, maybe we do it backwards. Maybe Sunday is supposed to be the day that we stay home and we rest, <laughs> but all the other days are the days and all the other days in the mean, temple yeah. teach well, like, So I actually had this thought and I didn't dig into it at all. Melissa would be a good one to answer this. I feel like culturally, well, first of all, it's interesting that they're doing this in the temple because it's Jewish and right. (laughs) Didn't believe with them. Yeah. Right. Uh But like in the culture of, of Judaism at that time, were, wasn't it already normal to go to the temple daily? Like that was something that they did was a daily thing for them. I would think so. I don't actually yeah. know the answer to that. I think yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, even still, I think they go to the temple wall. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. I think that you're right. I think they would go and offer sacrifices on any day for a sin that they committed. Like they're constantly yeah. going to, yes. the temple to, to offer sacrifices of worship and prayer. Okay. Uh, do you have any fun? Axe is going to be fun. I love it so much. <sighs> I did a lot of talking this time. That's okay. I'm glad you did because I didn't have a ton of talking to say. That's the recap. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the recap. If you enjoyed this discussion and maybe you're wondering how to get more highlights out of your own scripture reading, you might be interested in joining our in-depth Bible studies where we model our version of inductive Bible study. You can find out more at divecollective.org and we will see you next week.